Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. In the past few years, she has spoken at several women's events in our district, and as recently as this past Friday in Ohio at a mother-daughter banquet. She has served the last year and this coming year on a panel in our National General Ministry Conference, both last year and this year on a national level. In the past year, she has become heavily active in our school district and has been an advocate for them. And she told me from the very beginning, and it still lasts even till today, her primary purpose for working with them from the start was ministry. She's well-respected among them, but even more importantly, they like her. She is a trooper. She's been the mother to both of the children which we have. Our first child, during our first child, we were traveling on the road from state to state being evangelists. And uh, she didn't have morning sickness. She had all-day sickness. And uh, as we were traveling at that time, uh, being a trooper, she's seen many OBGYNs in several different states that didn't know her. She didn't know. Not just any lady would do that. But this lady will and did. Uh, she, we had a newborn that she nursed. And uh, we were in service at least, I mean, five nights out of seven times a week. And I can only remember maybe two times that she ever missed with that type of schedule service with a newborn that's the type of lady that will come to this pulpit this morning i appreciate her greatly she has followed me far and wide have i tried and strived to follow the will of god for our life she's been a faithful wife to me for going on 18 years and she has been my best friend for longer than that and so this morning i present to you sister don mcgee which is the first lady of this church will you give her a hand clap and the lord a greater hand clap as she comes this morning let's just take a moment and give god some glory today hallelujah lord we're thankful for your spirit that we feel in the house today god lord we can't do it without you lord we need you Jesus oh you are a good God you are a good God hallelujah you may be seated this morning I thank our pastor and my husband today for his introduction I didn't expect that and I'm very grateful for his kind words to me today and uh as obvious as this statement may be I wouldn't be a mother without him (laughs) And uh, I'm very grateful for my husband. I honor him and I respect him highly. Um, probably no one in this room at this stage of life knows him better than I do. And I can tell you that what you see is what you get. He is just as honorable at home as he is here at the church. And I'm very blessed today for my family. I honor my mother, who's not here, but who I did have an opportunity to spend time with this weekend. And that was quite a blessing. I'm very thankful for that. And for my mother-in-law, who is my second mom, and uh, who I have called mom even before Paul and I got married, and I'm very grateful for her. She has been a jewel and a treasure in my life and someone to look up to as I stepped into the role that she occupied for many years, and I'm very thankful for her today. And I'm thankful for my children who do call me mom. 
for Mariah and for Trevor. They are, they are precious to me, and I love them. Today, um, I'm actually going to speak to you what I spoke to the ladies Friday night. Uh, when Pastor talked to me about speaking this morning, I said, well, let me sit down and do some studying first and see if what I have might be appropriate. And so uh, after I printed out all my notes, I was like, here, read these, you know, tell me if it's all right. And so, um, so here I am today. So I pray that what I have can find a way to bless your heart today. Because um, everyone say, she's going to challenge me today. She's going to challenge me today. And then say, I accept your challenge. All right, I'm holding you to that today. I'm going to hold you to it. If you want to stand with me, I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 13, verse 44 and 45 today. The Bible says again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to treasure hid in a field. The which when a man hath found, he hideth and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath and buyeth that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Today... I'm going to speak to you about unseen treasures, unseen treasures. Pastor, if you'll take us to the Lord in prayer today. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Thank you for standing. A treasure can be defined in two ways. It's a noun that can just mean a quantity of valuable objects. It could be gems, books, paintings, many different things. It can even refer to a person as a person is a treasure. But it can also be defined as a verb, meaning something that you treasure, meaning to keep carefully or to value. In our scripture today, in our setting here, we see that a man found a treasure in a field. He didn't know it was there at first. It was unseen. But when he found it, oh, the joy. And he recognized this is worth something. So much worth, so much value, that he sold everything that he owned to buy the field that contained that treasure. And in the next verse, the man, he was on a search for goodly pearls. You know, pretty good, decent pearls. But one day he found a pearl of great price. A pearl so valuable that he sold all that he had just to obtain that one pearl. Each man in these scriptures found a treasure. And they recognized at that moment that that contained so much value that nothing else in their life mattered anymore. This is what they had been searching for. And at that moment, something clicked, and they now had laser-like focus. I must obtain that treasure at all costs. Now, probably there's some people around them that didn't know what they had found, really didn't know what they were up to, and they probably started asking a lot of questions. What in the world are you doing? Why are you selling everything? Are you crazy? What are you thinking? In modern days, think about it like this the biggest one-stop yard sale you've ever been to because you walk up and they say, nothing's off limits. 
everything's for sale. Oh, oh, my watch, you like it? Oh, it's for sale, you can buy it. Oh, the stove, sure, the car. Oh, you like my drapes, they're for sale too. Anything you see, nothing's off limits, you can buy anything. Just name your price, it's for sale. Now, some people might think, wow, they're a, they've went off the deep end, they're a little off their rocker. They're selling everything just to buy one thing. Just one thing. People probably would think we was a little crazy. But if that one thing is more valuable than everything else we own, it's the best decision in the world. That old song says, take this whole world, but give me Jesus. We used to sing that many years ago, and it go on to say, though none go with me, still I will follow. There's something we can obtain that has treasure and value more than anything else on this earth. The point is, when we come to know the treasure that we found in Christ, Everything else in our life pales in comparison. Shouldn't matter anymore. There's treasures to be obtained in the kingdom of God that are unseen, but they are of the most value. And I'm going to talk to you today about some of those unseen treasures. In Matthew 16, chapter, verse 24, he says, Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Moms, stepmoms, grandmas, aunts, we have the opportunity to give our children and our grandchildren the greatest treasure they could ever possess. And that's the treasures that are found in the kingdom of God. His word, a love for God, a love for truth, the knowledge of one God, the gospel of salvation, and the message of Jesus Christ. Now let's slow down for a minute and just talk about the culture and the day that we live in and the reality of what our society is. Because we live in a society that values money. They value possessions, material goods, sports, travel. All these things matter to them more than anything. Our society has placed importance on good looks, flawless skin, perfect bodies. Our kids even are bombarded with this message through TV, movies, social media, commercials, so many ways. And you see people posting, check out my new car, or look at my new kicks. For those of you that don't know, that's teen speak for tennis shoes. And then another person might be saying, oh, selfie, and they post a selfie, but not before they've put it into the app called Pixstore where they can remove every flaw from their skin, every disfigurement, every scar, anything that doesn't look good so they can post a flawless picture of themselves online. And this is what our kids are looking at, this is what they're comparing themselves to, and this is what society is teaching our children to value. But there is someone that can counteract that message, and that's you, Mom. And may I say that's you, Dad, Grandma, Grandpa. But you know, sometimes even parents, even as parents, we have bought into that lie or we've bought into that pressure because we hear parents say things like, I want my kid to have what I never had. I want them to have the opportunities I never had. I want them to have the things I didn't have. Some people go out of their way to give their kids all kinds of worldly things and then they feel like if they can't give their kid the best of everything, they're a failure. Because people measure worth by what they can see. But God turned that concept inside out by measuring worth by what you can't see. Amen. In 1 Samuel, we see that Samuel's come to Jesse's house to anoint one of his boys to be king. And as he begins to pass by the first son, the man of God, 
The prophet looks at the firstborn and says, oh, my, this must be the one. Why, just look at him. Look at his height. Look at his stature. Look at his countenance. Look at his features. Surely this must be the one God would choose as king. But listen to what God said to Samuel. And I'm reading to you this scripture from the Message Bible in 1 Samuel 16, 7. But God told Samuel, looks aren't everything. Don't be impressed with his looks and his stature. I've already eliminated him. God judges people differently than humans do. Men and women look at the face, but God looks into the heart. Ultimately, God chose David to be king because after Samuel passed by all the sons, or so he thought, he asked Jesse, are there any more sons? And Jesse responded, well, yeah, I have one more. He's the youngest, but he's just a runt. He's out in the field tending the sheep somewhere. Think about that. Even his own father didn't think that he would be considered to be king. His own father never even thought to call him. I mean, just look at him. He's just a run. Why would he be considered? But Jesse said, call him. And they called David. And the youngest, the one that his own father and even the man of God would have dismissed, that's the one God chose to be king over a nation. We can't judge people by looks because God sees even further than that. Do you understand that God valued the qualities in David's heart over his appearance? It was the unseen that mattered most. And even his parents learned a valuable lesson that day. We need to value what God values and pass that value to our children. Not the material things of this world, but the inward, the unseen things of our heart and of God. So we have to take a look at ourselves today and ask, what are we teaching our children to value? Are we living our lives in such a way, Mom, that we're teaching our children to value the kingdom of God more than the kingdom of this world? When our kids look at us, what do they see us valuing? How do they see us living our life? What do they see us placing importance on? What are our priorities? My heart breaks for so many moms that are so caught up in this world, and they're teaching their children by example to value this life over the one to come. And this life is just temporary, but the one to come is eternal. We don't get a second chance. We don't get a second shot at this, moms. Failure's not an option. We've got to get it right. Our children's salvation depends on it. Now, some can say, myself included, that we were raised in truth, to know right from wrong, to know the scriptures from a childhood up. I do have that in my life. Both of my grandmothers, one of them living, one of them not, good Christian ladies. My mom, they set the bar high for me. They lived by example, and I wanted what they had. My grandma McBroom, she will always pray for you and with you, I guarantee you. And it doesn't matter. Anytime, no matter where you are, right then, right there. In a restaurant, in a store, on the street, it matters not. If you call her up and talk on the phone, and before you get off the phone, she's going to pray for you, guaranteed. If you go to her house and you visit, when you get up to leave to go somewhere else or to go to the hotel or go back, she's going to take your hands and she's going to pray down a, a prayer of protection and safety over you. And she'll do that. It doesn't matter if 15 people have visited her home that day. She will pray for each one individually before they leave. Guaranteed. I remember as a girl visiting my grandparents in St. Louis, my grandma and grandpa Holland, and we would go spend weekends at their house to visit. And they didn't have a television. <gasps> What? What did the kids do? No television? And, and I've always wanted to say this, 
Back when I was a kid, back in my day, I'm 38, so I can say that now. Back in my day, now I can check that off the bucket list, I've said it. Back in my day, we didn't have iPhones or iPads or tablets or anything like that to entertain us. So you know what grandma would do? She would say, okay, kids, here's a set of verses. Here's the Ten Commandments. Here's these scriptures. And if you can memorize them and quote them to me before you leave, I'll give you such and such amount of dollars. And then before you leave, I'll take you to the Goodwill and you can buy something with that money. So you know what us kids would do? We'd go grab our Bible and we'd start practicing those verses. Because, you know, and maybe at the time we were just thinking, oh, I got to earn those dollars. But you know what? Those scriptures now are still with me today. They're still with me in my heart. Because the Bible says in Psalms 119.11, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. His word in our hearts, an unseen treasure. Because it's a treasure that's going to give us power over sin and temptation. Moms, if we don't give our kids the gift of the word of God, how are they going to have power in their own life when sin comes knocking at their door? Without the word, they're going to die a spiritual death. Because we know the Bible tells us the wages of sin is death. And the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But the word is a weapon. It's a two-edged sword. And we can wield that when the enemy comes our way. Even Jesus himself, when he was tempted in the wilderness by Satan, he used the word to battle temptation. The devil cannot fight the word. And we need that unseen treasure to be given to our children. In our home, as Pastor have mentioned before, we try to do a devotional with our kids at least a few nights a week. We have a book that we use called One a, One a Day Pocket Stories. It has a scripture setting that we read and then a modern-day story to go along with the concept that's found there. And then it has questions that we can use to ask the kids and open up discussion. And I can tell you we've had some pretty interesting discussions that have cropped up as a result of discussing the Word of God, of discussing things there. Do you know that the Israelites still to this day begin teaching their children scripture at birth? When the babies are born, the first words they hear are their parents quoting Deuteronomy 6.4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. They're teaching them the message of one God before they can walk, before they can talk, before they have even taken their first breath. They are hearing the message of one God. These parents know the importance the importance of this message is so great that it matters that these children hear the word of God before they have ever taken a breath, before they have ever taken nourishment. And we have to instill a love for God and truth in our children, moms. It's an unseen treasure that is so critical. Are we passing on the seriousness of this message to our own children? Do they know, do they understand that there is only one God and Jesus is his name? If someone would ask them what they believe, would they be able to tell someone what they believe and why? Or do they just say, well, it's what my mom believes, it's what my dad believes, what my church says. We've got to let it where they get in their heart and they know it for themselves. And our children are not going to know unless we teach them. It's not going to happen by accident. It's not going to happen by chance. And we can't just hope they pick it up in Sunday school. And let me tell you, as a Sunday school teacher, it's true. They're going to hear it there. They're going to learn it there because we're teaching it to them. But what happens is children are going to go home, and they're going to judge what they have heard by how you live. They're going to decide, am I going to embrace the message, or am I going to dismiss the message? Because if mom and dad don't embrace it, why should I? 
It won't matter what they're taught at church if it's not lived at home. If this is the case in your life, in your home, mom, then this is what you're teaching your children. Go to church, be faithful, listen to the preacher, enjoy the service. But when you go home, just live however you want to. Dress like the world, behave like the world, live like the world. But on Sunday, make sure you put on your church clothes and show up. That cripples our children with that type of message. It's not what we want our kids to learn. We've got to teach them that this is something we do 24-7, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Living for God is not a one-day-a-week thing. It's all week long. The Bible tells us in James 1.22, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Listen to this passage of scripture in the Message Bible as I carry on reading through verse 24. Don't fool yourself into thinking you're a listener when you are anything but. Letting the word go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror, walk away, and two minutes later have no idea who they are and what they look like. Now, some of you may be saying, wow, Sister McGee, that's a little harsh, don't you think? I mean, come on, it's Mother's Day. You know, you're getting a little tough on us. And some might even say, you know, Sister McGee, I wasn't raised in church. I don't have the safe opportunities that you had as a kid. I don't have that foundation in my life. But let me ask you this question. What do you want for your children? What type of foundation do you want them to have? Because now you have and know the truth. If we go back to our scriptures that we read at the beginning tonight, or this morning, pardon me, the man found the treasure in the field. The man found the pearl. That land wasn't handed down to him from his ancestors generations before him. That pearl wasn't a treasure, an heirloom that was passed down through the family. They were the ones that discovered it for themselves for the very first time. Sold out everything to obtain that treasure. And I guarantee you, if it was so valuable to them that they sold everything, I guarantee you that that is the heritage they were going to pass to their children, to their descendants. So it may not have been something they could look back and say, this has been a treasure in my family for generations past, but it was going to be a treasure for generations to come. We have to do everything in our power to raise the children and for those of you that weren't raised in church, you need to give your, opportunity, their, your children the opportunity to be raised the way you wish that you were. Or that cycle will just continue, and it will become generation after generation in your family that knows the truth but never lives it. If you've been given the treasure, it's now up to you to pass it on to your children. If we come to God later in life and we gain the knowledge of the truth, it's a great treasure. We have no excuse anymore once we gain that knowledge. Proverbs 22.6 tells us, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, this verse is not saying that if you teach your child the truth and raise them in church, they will always and forever serve God. I'm sure there are moms in this room who can testify of lost children, who they raised right, but are who, who are now living in the world. But what this verse is telling us is, Mom, if you did your job right... If you taught your child about Jesus, you lived righteously and holy, and you trained them in the ways of God, then no matter where they go in life, no matter how far they run from God, they will never be able to forget what they were taught. They can never deny that they know the word of God and that they know right from wrong. 
I've heard so many tell me, I know I'm not living right, or my mom didn't raise me this way, or my parents didn't teach me this way. So keep hope alive, mom. Keep praying. Your sacrifice was worth it. Don't believe the lie of the enemy when he tells you you pushed him away by how hard that you preached it or how hard you taught it. No. You taught them a life of separation from the world. You instilled values in them. And no matter how far they go, they've still got that knowledge. You did your job. So now you just keep praying, Mama, and let God do his job. Because you gave your children something that the world cannot take away. No matter how far they go into the world to become like the world, the world can never take that from them. So don't lose hope. Matthew 6, 19 tells us, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up your, for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither rust does corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Recently, I read about a woman whose name was Pamela Sampson, 69. She was reunited with family heirlooms that she thought had been stolen in a burglary 16 years ago. But in reality, she donated the ski boots to a charity 16 years later, and that charity shop found the treasure. She had placed a diamond and sapphire necklace, a brooch, a ring, and two fob watches inside the boots for safekeeping all the way back in 1999. But she forgot about the items and wrongly assumed that they were stolen during a break-in of her home a short time later. But 16 years later, just last month, she took the boots to a charity where the treasure was discovered inside, and she was reunited with them. What this story tells me is that this woman went so long without touching or holding her treasure that she forgot where it was. And then she assumed it was stolen. But later, in actuality, she gave it away because she didn't recognize or remember where it was. We cannot be haphazard about the treasures of God. We can't pull out the word once a year or take our kids to church every six months and just hope it all turns out okay. We can't say, well, I'll get it all together and live right in a few years. I still got time. Don't be deceived. Because one day, when your kids are out living in the world, are you going to cry out to God and say, God, why was this taken from me? Why were they stolen away? When in reality, we were the ones who hid it away, forgot about it, let it gather dust, and then no longer realizing its value, we gave it away. Luke 12, 48 says, For unto whomever much is given, of him shall much be required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. We have been entrusted with much because we have been entrusted with the truth. And there is only one truth. Are we going to hide it away until one day we forget about it? And then a moment of confusion and forgetfulness, we give it away. If we truly value the kingdom of God and all that it holds, we will incorporate it daily into our lives. We cannot forget about something that's always with us. You're not going to forget about something you use every single day. The unseen treasures of God may not be visible to the naked eye, but they are the most valuable thing that we own. Mark 8:36 says, "For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul?" If our soul isn't saved, if we don't pass down the message of salvation to our children, Nothing else they have gained in this life will matter. No success, no talent, 
No ability can compensate for the loss of their soul. They can be the greatest musician, the greatest speaker, the greatest singer, the greatest ball player, anything you want to name. But when they die, that dies with them. But if they have embraced the truth, mom, dad, that you have taught them, then they will have repented of their sins. They will have been baptized in Jesus' name. And then they'll be filled with the greatest unseen treasure of all, the gift of the Holy Ghost. Christ living inside of us. Unseen treasure, but the greatest of all. Jesus told Nicodemus that the spirit was like the wind. You can't see it. You don't know from whence it comes. But you sure can feel it. And you can see its effects. As the trees and the, and the leaves begin to blow from the effects of the wind, just like the spirit of God. It's unseen, but oh, what an impact it has on people. How we can see it moving in the service, and we can see it moving on the faces of the people. How we can feel it, how it moves us to tears, moves us to shout, moves us to cry and run. An unseen treasure that becomes seen. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Once the Holy Ghost is living in our children's hearts, then all those talents and abilities in their life will complement it, and then they can be used to further the kingdom of God. And when the Holy Ghost enters their heart, it's going to produce other unseen treasures that will soon be seen by all. Galatians 5.22 tells us, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. All of these treasures, the Word of God, a love for God, a love for the truth, the Holy Ghost, the fruits of the Spirit, they may be unseen, but they are what matters. We have to teach our children to value spiritual things more than earthly ones. Me, myself, as a mom, I have two kids, and I've got to get it right. I want my kids to grow up with a love for God, with a love for ministry, with a love for souls, with a love for people. Those of you that were here last Sunday night, I couldn't help but bawl my eyes out. For those of you that weren't here, Pastor had different ones come up during, we were singing, uh, Jesus said it, and it talks about you should have been there when I prayed through, talking about when you got the Holy Ghost. And he asked for different ones just to come up and just give a quick testimony about where they were, how old they were, when they got the Holy Ghost, and God saved them. And several adults came through, and I came through, and... uh, Mariah was standing over here, and her Aunt Nana just kind of asked her, do you want to go up, you know, and say anything? And, and Mariah said, no, I don't, I don't think I do. Well, then a few minutes later, she leaned up and said she wanted to go up, but she didn't want to go by herself. I said, well, of course, I'll go with you, baby. I'll, I'll hold your hand. And for those you know, she walked up here, and she began to cry. And um, she said, two years ago, and I was seven years old, God filled me with the Holy Ghost. And then she said, And he's been with me my whole life. Even in my tough times, he's never left me. Raised her hands and got refilled with the Holy Ghost right here on the platform. And it touched me as a mom. Because I want that to be what she treasures most, more than anything. Well, then after that, we had a lady come to the altar and pray. And I had gone back up to the media booth. And Mariah got up from her seat and came up to pray. And after church, the lady said, well, I wish you could have been up there praying with me. And I said, well, I sent my daughter (laughs) in my place. And she goes, your daughter's the reason that I went to the altar. She inspired me tonight. And that, to me, 
matters more than anything else that Mariah could ever do in this life. More than anything she could attain, more than any success or ability. If she will always value and treasure the things of God, then I will know I've done my job. Because that's on me, and I want to raise them right. I want to raise my kids right. Moms, you have such a vital and influential role in the raising of your children. What are you teaching them? What is your desire for them? Do we want our children to be worshipers? Then we've got to be a worshiper. Do we want our kids to pray? Then we have to pray. Do we want our kids to pay their tithes and support the church? Then we've got to pay our tithes and let our kids see us do it. We've taught our children. They know they get birthday money or any money they receive as a gift. God gets his 10%. If they get $15, that's okay. $1 and two quarters is going in an envelope with their name on it. And at the end of the year, Sister Penrod, my kids get a little envelope with their name on it saying what money they have given to the church that year. That is so important. Do we want our kids to be faithful to church? Then we've got to be faithful in attending church. Do we want our kids to be saved? Do we want them to live holy and acceptable before God? then we've got to live holy and acceptable, and most importantly, while they're young. It's more important for us and our children to live right than to fit in and be accepted by the world. And when a treasure starts being passed down from generation to generation, it becomes known as an heirloom. And it's possible that it could have monetary value, but usually it has more sentimental value than anything which that means it has value and meaning to the owner, but probably not much to anybody else. The world may not understand why we would sacrifice so much and give up the treasures of this world to embrace the treasures of God. To them, this may not mean much, but for us, it is truly life and death. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for their foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. We have to take these precious treasures, these heirlooms, and pass them down to our children. As I was studying, I learned that in agriculture, an heirloom is a term that's used for a fruit, a flower or a vegetable that was grown before World War II. They're not genetically modified, and they're grown through a process of creating new plants from seeds, cuttings, bulbs, and other plant parts from the previous season. In this way, they are preserved and replanted year after year after year. And by using seeds from the parent plant, then the new plant will produce most of the same characteristics, flavors, and colors as its ancestors. And that's the key to their survival. But if nothing is preserved, if everything is harvested and everything is tilled under and nothing is saved, there will be nothing to plant in the next season. There will be nothing to come about. There will no longer be an heirloom that's passed down. If the crop dies, it's done. It's finished. When a seed gets planted in the ground, it's unseen. We can't see it. We know it's there. So we water it. We nourish it. We cultivate it. Let sunlight. And soon it comes forth bearing fruit and blossoming. If we want our children to blossom, if we want our children to carry on with the truth, we've got to keep it alive in our hearts. 
We've got to keep something in us that we can pass on to the next generation. We've got to pass it on. Mothers, grandmothers, stepmoms, aunts, don't let the message die with you. We have to take these treasures. They have to become an heirloom in your family. And like I said earlier, it's okay if you're the first one. You can be the founder. You can be at the top of the list, the one that made the decision to turn things around in your family, to say the past may not have been the greatest, but the future is going to be different. Take these treasures, Mom, and let them become an heirloom in your family. Grandma, teach your daughters. Mothers, teach your children. Plant these things in your children's heart. Let the treasures of God become a lasting legacy and an inheritance in your family. Let the things of God be an heirloom that is valued and treasured beyond anything else in your family. If you're first, like I said, that's okay. Establish the heirloom with your children and let it flow from there. Because heirlooms are treasured. They're treasured items. And if you valued it so much, and your children saw you value it that much, they're going to value it too. They're going to say, man, mom and dad really held that close. They treasured that. That was really important to them. And as they grow and mature, it's going to be important to them. And then you're going to watch days to come as your children and your grandchildren and your descendants keep a hold of that treasure of the truth. Let your children flourish and grow and produce great things in the kingdom of God. Because if all we teach them is to value things in this life and things of this world, when they die, those things do too. But give them the treasure of eternal life, of treasure in heaven, so that someday they will have a crown of life in that unseen place, heaven. It matters what you do, Mom. Do it on purpose. Give them the unseen treasures of the kingdom of God. Do whatever you have to do. Be like that person in our first scripture reading when he found the treasure, when he found the pearl. He sold out everything to attain it. You have to be sold out to God. He has to be priority. He has to be number one. Nothing else in this life can get in the way. And that means that if we want our children to do right, then we have to be right. In order to teach our children to follow God, then our heart has to be right. And you may be saying, but Sister McGee, I'm struggling myself right now. How am I ever going to help anybody else? How am I going to help my children? Then I say, take time this morning to get your heart right with God. Brother Mason, can you come this morning if you'd stand with me? If everyone in this room could just close your eyes and bow your head. What you do matters. What you say, how you live your life, you're affecting those around you. You're affecting your children. And moms, Generally, you're the one that sets the tone in the atmosphere at the, in the home. A lot of times I say, if mom's not happy, nobody's happy, and that's generally true. But if you set an atmosphere in your home of taking the time to value the things of God, if they walk in from school, and you may be doing the dishes, but you've got your praise and worship music on, and you're singing and worshiping God, if in the evening they come in and you turn off the TV and you say, okay, kids, come on, we need to read the word of God. We need to talk about these things. We need to teach these things to you. It's important. It's important what you do, Mom. Let's take some time and let's just talk to God right now. You may, you may be saying, but Sister McGee, I have messed it up. 
already tried. My kids, they're a little bit older now, and I didn't necessarily do the greatest job. But you know what? It's never too late to start. It's never too late to go back to God because God can restore what the canker worm has taken and eaten. He can bring back and put back together what the devil has destroyed because nothing is impossible for our God. So don't stand here and think, well, it's too late. I'm giving up hope. No, make a choice today. From this day forward, God, I want to serve you with my whole heart because not only my own life, God, not only my own salvation, God, but the souls of my children are at stake. And God, I want them to be saved. God, I want them to make heaven their home someday. Can we take a moment, church moms, everyone across this room, can you just raise your hands right now and say, God, help me, Lord, to be the mom you want me to be, the dad I need to be, the grandmother, the aunt, whatever position you hold. Ask God for his help, and he will. He will strengthen you. God, I pray, Lord, for every lady in this room, every mom, grandmother, aunt, daughter, whoever she may be, God. I pray that a spirit of anointing would fall in their life. God, I pray, Lord, that in their home, that the kingdom of God would take precedence, Lord. That they would value the treasures of your kingdom, God, over this world. That the word of God would be ingrained in their hearts. That a love for truth, God, would be in our hearts. Lord, that we would know and understand the message of one God and knowing who you are, Lord. The importance of repentance, the importance of baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Because without that, God, we're not saved. We're not any of yours, God, but we want to serve you, Lord. I love you today, Jesus. I thank you, Lord God. Lord, challenge us to be more, to do more, God. I give it to you, Jesus, today. Brother Mason, if you have something to sing. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.